Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Horror, Wine, and Crime. Lowe's giving me the biggest smile over there. <laughs> giggity, giggity. <laughs> Is that your um, salutations for tonight? <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. I Okay, so I've been telling Crystal, I have quite a week, so I'm not going to bring everybody down into it, but I've been fighting a cold for since the last Wednesday and I've tried night quill that's just for the week it doesn't work on me I've tried day quill which weird enough that kind of holds me over during the day I've tried a shot and a half of Jim Beam last night and I was still up from like 3 30 to 5 30 couldn't sleep because oh man because I talked to you yesterday and you were like all right I'm I'm giving the whiskey a shot and I'm like hopefully it does the trick but it didn't do it um, it gave me a little bit of the giggles before I went to bed with my husband, and then so it made it a little bit happier, but like right. still didn't solve the sleep issue. No, so I got some Coke and Jim Beam right now that I'm sipping on instead of wine tonight. Nice, um, but yeah, I feel like this cold is just—it's with me forever. I woke up this morning and told Pat just to take me outside and put me out. Like game over. <laughs> Take you out of your misery. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, you have been you've been going through it. Like you've had the I mean, just the past week you've been going through it. But then also with like the sickness. Like I swear you've been sick like multiple times like within the past month. And I never get sick, like hardly ever. Usually like once a year, I I'll be down for like four days or so and then that's it. Yeah, it's so weird. Your immune system's just low, so it's catching everything. I don't know what the hell's going on. Well, then hopefully this is the last one for you this entire year, because you've had enough for a year. Sister. But on the happy note, lions are like, what? They're right there, man. They're, They're right there. Me, and, you know, with the lions being like... The top shit right now. I'm seeing Marshall Mathers everywhere. <laughs> so you're happy. <laughs> She's even dancing, but have you seen the beard? I yeah, I am. I am a fan of that. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does with the beard. So, if you get tickets low, you might be sitting near. Oh, I near need Eminem. tickets. We looked up Super Bowl tickets. Yeah, you told me real pricey. No, no, no. That was just for next oh, week. Oh, Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't even imagine how much Super Bowl would be. Two tickets was $54,000. <laughs> I want to know who's going to that game and then just be like, where um, did you get Eminem, that Eminem, Bob Seger, Jeff Daniels, true. Tim Yeah, Allen. yeah, true. <laughs> You're right. But you know who <laughs> I haven't seen? Dax and Kristen. They're from Detroit, yo. Oh yeah, maybe, maybe they're maybe not, they're not in the people. football though. I thought Dax was, so maybe not. I don't know if he is. I can't see Kristen really being yeah. into it. Pat I don't know probably, if he is. He's more of a gearhead, like the cars and. Yeah, I could see that. But it'd be but cool that, if you saw true. the the Shepherd Bell family there. You saw. I also saw Taylor Lautner out there. Yeah, he's, at a he's from Michigan. Mm-hmm. I like all the memes that have Kansas and Eminem, and then it had like Taylor versus Marshall. Oh yeah, the Super Bowl. That would actually be so cool if those two teams like 
went against each other. I can kind of feel that it might because they're both kind of being hot right now. They are. That would be so sick. So you guys know who we're rooting for. (laughs) We're bleeding blue and gray here in the D right now. The D is fired up because this never happens. Okay, so. (laughs) But can I just, for the record, say, as Crystal is my witness, I did sport my Lions hoodie around even when we were on the low side, like. No, she I didn't did. go to a lot of the games, but I I still wore the Lions gear. I not one of these people that are just all sudden like, oh my god, now I love you guys. Like you're a true fan. You're not a fake fan like all these other bitches out here. Thanks. I don't own any lions, so like that's my excuse for not wearing any before or now. <laughs> uh... Also, football confuses me. <laughs> <laughs> that's my excuse <laughs> okay okay <laughs> well if you come over on Super Bowl then I'll just give you a shirt that says I'm here for the food perfect the food I'm just here for the food at the halftime show really that's truly what it's always for me <laughs> in the commercial and Post Malone's gonna be there and Riva McIntyre right see that's what I'm more pumped about I mean and then, guys, speaking of Super Bowl, Lo has a very themed story with it today. I do. But so before we dive into that story, I was going down a rabbit hole of true crime by research, you know, how like different things pop up and whatever. So people crime popped up on me and it said a man allegedly... Um, wrote his 17-year-old daughter a letter stating that he wanted to have a romantic relationship with her. Is this it was, biological? Uh, it, he, it, it's making it sound yes. Um, a man in Tampa, Florida, um, he went on a shooting spree and he killed his mother's friend and wounded his mother and his teenage daughter before shooting at the police last Wednesday. So she must have told grandma maybe he wasn't, maybe there wasn't a wife in the picture then, mm-hmm. which could maybe at least explain why he went cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the prosecutor said that allegedly he wrote her romantic relation letter stating he wanted to have a relationship. He was identified as 42-year-old Michael Banks. And he insisted that she be in a relationship with him and not date anybody else. Um, Prior to the shooting, uh, Banks' mother and her friend were in the family home discussing kicking him out of the house after learning what he was doing to his daughter. And then he went and retrieved a revolver and brought it to the kitchen to where then he shot the 60-year-old mother's friend And then shot at his mother. His daughter was upstairs taking a shower. He went upstairs and shot at her. The 911 call was around 1242. Um, The police showed up. And upon arrival, the banks started shooting at the officers uh, with a reloaded revolver. And they 
did uh, return fire, but no shots struck the suspect. So he wasn't injured. He surrendered shortly after and taken into custody. Um, he was arrested on five charges, one count of first-degree murder with a firearm, two counts of attempted first-degree murder with a firearm, one count of attempted first-degree murder of a law enforcement officer with a firearm, and one count of illegally possessing a firearm as a felon. So he must have had a background and as well. Um, yeah. It's not clear if he tends to plead to the charges or if he's going to retain an attorney. Um, but luckily his mother and daughter don't seem like they were having any complications. So she was grazed. It doesn't look like his daughter was had anything, but yeah. Could you nice. imagine? Oh no, that's disgusting and like horrifying all at the same time. Yeah. Ew. Like who oh like and then my question too is like, has he always had these thoughts, or is it like, just like did he lose his mind and just randomly thought that one day, like about his daughter, like so? Ooh, I have owl. no idea. It's so weird. People are so bizarre. Yeah. Like, like either lost his mind or had been lost because that's the only explanation for that. Yeah, I agree. The only thing I can think of is either maybe something suddenly happened to his wife to where he lost his wife and he went kind of like, okay, she needs to fill the, this role, like some mental health issue kicked in or yeah. his wife dipped because he was crazy and still some mental issues like, kicked in. Damn, hopefully if that's the case, she didn't know about the whole daughter thing because then she should have like if that was me i would do everything in my power to like keep my daughter away from him well daughter told grandma sounds like immediately so good obviously she spoke up you know yeah because that's oh that's freaking weird it's gross that's gross you were so you weren't gross. kidding when you said it was gross yeah okay so if that didn't bring you down <coughs> sorry that you guys bear with me if that didn't ache you out enough. We got some more uh won't want, want to oh. some more so, sadness. As we talked about, it is Super Bowl like frenzy around here right now. Everybody's hyped up for it. Um if, if we go, if we win, okay, I wouldn't even say win, but if we make it to the Super Bowl, it'll be the first time since 1957 for the Lions. That's a long-ass so, time. Yeah. Um, so if you are from the Michigan, come on, Detroit. You can do this. Come on. Got this. Um, and like we said, we've seen so many celebrities at the games. We Eminem's there constantly with his daughter. I actually liked it. There was a post. It was Eminem, Snoop, and then Eminem's daughter and Snoop's son. It was a cute little picture. Oh, that's cute. And then Taylor Lautner has been there. Jeff Daniels, Bob Seger. I did not see Tim Allen yet, and I didn't see the Shepherd Bell family, but I'm looking for him. I'm looking for him. But I'm sure that I swear. Least... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I know Dax 
I mean, not personally, but I feel like <laughs> I do. Um, he's rooting from them. They're rooting from LA. Yeah, because I swear, like, if they do go, they'll for sure be there. Like, how could they not? I know. I feel. And doesn't best tent best friend weekly? He lives in Michigan somewhere. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he does. And they come so, here like all the time. Yeah. So he could just crash at his house. You know what I mean? Like. Right. Exactly. We got it all planned out for you, Dax. You just got to get your plane tickets. <laughs> or get the RV going. It might be a little chill. Well, it's got heat. It's going to be chilly, but they got heat. Um, but as much as I love the heat, heap, hype, um, I'm going <laughs> to take it down just a notch. And we're going to talk true crime football story. A little bit of a buzzkill. A sad, a sad football tale. Yeah. Well, around it. It's not. I'm just going to keep going. Okay. <laughs> so this story is about uh, Ronnie Reuter. And she was 5'8", 140 pounds, brown-eyed, brown-haired, slim, beautiful woman. She's 42 years old. She was originally... Now, this says Iowa because I saw that on one paper. But then earlier, I saw Wisconsin. So somewhere in the Midwest, then one of those. Yeah. Um, so, but she was currently living in Deerfield Village in Illinois. She was called sweet and stylish. They talk about her as being so kind. She would do anything for anybody. She was just that warm person you wanted to be around. She had a warm tenderness. That was the word that was used. Um, to be around her. She also had two brothers that she was close to, Wade and Thad. I love how those are just two, like, some Midwestern names. Right. <laughs> um, they were both from, they were both married, and she was close to both their wives as well, Anna and Lori. Ronnie had a thing for fashion. She loved being around it, loved working with it so she took up a part-time job at macy's just to kind of stay with it and also you know some macy's discounts probably ain't too shabby right and then other nights she worked in the food industry she was just a simple girl simple small town who just moved to you know the big city you know everything was simple and sweet until she meets her, what would be her future boyfriend, Sean Gale. Now, he was a former Chicago Bears football player. He was a star winning in the 1985 Bears Super Bowl. However, they didn't meet until 1990 when they happened to cross paths at a charity event. So fast forward. After being together for 17 years, um, they did spend a lot of time apart, but they did a lot of phone calls, a lot of nights away. Um, her sister-in-law just said she doesn't know how, but they made it work. Now, she was 41, and she becomes pregnant. And she is, like, elated. Like, finally, I get to be a mother. Just so excited. Um, it was going to be a baby girl, and they were going to name her Skylar. 
But before I get deep in it, I just want to say that their relationship was unconventional. Like, they never married. They never lived together. Her family would ask, like, why do you stay with him? You want so much more than he's willing to give you. And she would just say, I don't know, Anna. I just love him. And like they all said, for the most part, they were together a lot. They talked on the phone a lot. They took trips together. But he just was not a, a one man, woman kind of guy. <laughs> um, he wasn't about the commitment. No, he had three girlfriends, I think. But they all knew about each other. Like everybody was just like, all right, cool. Like, which is so crazy to me. But I could never do that. At least Ronnie knew. Like I said, not all of them. You'll see in a second. But Ronnie knew. And she was okay with it. She was just like, you know what? I love him. Obviously, they make it work. She got enough time that she wanted with him. And she was okay. She was happy. I mean, hey, to each their own. Yeah. I mean, I guess you have your own place. So if you guys fight, then you're like, go home then. Right. (laughs) Makes it more convenient. Right. But everything came to a crashing halt on October 4th, 2007. That's when Sean got um, his disturbing phone call. Sean didn't seem to know yet that Ronnie was dead and sounded confused about just what had happened. I've been getting calls from the, the, the media. This is Sean Gale, and they're trying to say, they're naming me as a suspect. And we heard that too. Was it Ronnie Ryder? Is he okay? Yeah. Uh, just Ronnie and Mrs. Dan. Okay, so to me, that sounds kind of legit. Like, he was really upset. I was going to say, that sounded, like, really sad. Just, like, heartbreaking. Like, he was, like, full-on sobbing. And to hear it through the media, I mean. Yeah. Seriously. Okay, so, yeah, that sounded pretty legit to me. Like, he was really upset. But, as we know, true crime, creepies, crimers, lover of crime, the first person as a suspect you're going to go to is usually the boyfriend or the lover. That's the first one that they're going to. So suspect number one would have been Sean Gale. Like we said, he was her lover for 17 years. Now, some of the things you have to ask yourself, did he want to be tied down to one woman? Not to say he didn't love her because I mean, 17 years, that's a long time to be with someone. Even if you're not full on committed, that's, it's still a it's still some, that, you know? Like, yeah, it's still some type of commitment in a way, even though it's not the full-on thing. But the pregnancy was unexpected. Um, did she want more? Would this ruin other relationships for him? Or do I have it all wrong? And he was happy and he was excited about being a dad. I don't know. Um, but either way... 
I feel like he sounded upset. So I don't really think in my mind that was one. Of, I've heard some ones you can tell they're over the top faking. And yeah. That didn't sound like that to me. Yeah. Either he's being 100% genuine or he's a very, very good actor. <laughs> so then we're going to have suspect number two. Okay. Um, so I guess before I get into all the suspects, I will say what had happened was, so Ronnie had somebody show up at her door and when she opened the door, um, a suspect pulled out a gun, forced herself into the house and shot her multiple times in the stomach and once in the head, making the final shot. So she was murdered in her own condo. So that's kind of what we're going to dig into as the story goes on. But I thought I'd better at least give you a little bit of why we're talking about suspects. So sad. Very Baby sad. too. Yeah, she was seven months pregnant. Oh, gosh. So suspect number two, okay, bear with me. It's Monica Kowarska, Kowarska, it's Polish. So we're just going to go Monica. <laughs> Make it easy. Um, so she was a fitness model. She was 27 years at the time. She was dating Sean. He would have been 42. She thought they were monogamous like she thought he and her had the perfect like everything everything was great she never even suspected that he had other women in his life she claimed that they saw each other so much like when would he have time but clearly football players just kidding not all of them they always find time (laughs) so she was walking by the condo um, of Sean's house and she happened to see Sean. Now she was heading to his house. She wasn't just like coincidence. Um, (laughs) And she happened to see Sean and Ronnie having dinner. So she's like, who the, what the? And she went and knocked at the door and she ended up talking to Ronnie and it ended up coming out like, you didn't know like about me and she's like no and she's like so like you don't know about the others and either like she's like and Monica was like no so she was pretty irate um she did admit to breaking his window she did claim that was an accident she was just very irritated um however Monica it had showed that she was sending harassing letters to a bunch of different people in his life, including Ronnie, her mother, other women that he'd been seeing. The anonymous anonymous letters were written in broken English. Um, And like I said, she's from Poland. So that kind of like was the first person they thought of. Um, And it claimed that, that Gail was romancing a number of women at the same time. 
when Ronnie's mother received the letters, she called Gail. He assured her that her daughter was safe. The letters were from a crazed fan and everything was fine. Now that was according to Thad, Ronnie's brother. It got to the point too where they put a restraining order on Monica because, you know, scorned lover, man, they cause havoc. Yes, uh, they do. So in 2007, Gail had enough and he said he wanted Monica jailed or at least fined. So he filed a petition. Now, however, she denied having anything to do with the murder, but it was also on the day the murder happened was the same day that the petition was filed. So mm. that was kind of looking a little okay. Sus. Fishy, fishy. So now there's motive. There's partial evidence. Like Ronnie was murdered. Those letters were written by Monica. Ronnie's, um, those letters were also in Ronnie's purse found by the police um, the day she was murdered. So that's kind of going into evidence there, little lady. Um, Monica did have an alibi, though. She was working with a client, a trainer at the time. Um, and she was in the city next to Deerfield, but she wasn't in Deerfield. And the police did contact that client, and they confirmed that, yes, they were together. But they still didn't really claim her innocent quite yet. They don't know what the relationship is. Um, they just know, like, something's not kosher yet. Like, you're not being detained, but you're not off the hook. Like, don't leave town. They still got their eye on you. So then suspect number three, Marnie Yang. So police get three different phone calls saying, you might want to check Marnie Yang. I feel she's very capable for doing this heinous crime. And I mean, to kill a mom and her unborn child, you got to be the devil himself walking into that condo. Exactly. Um, Marnie Yang, so who was she? She was single, newly divorced, mother of three, lived in Chicago, native. She had multiple jobs to support her kids. Um, one of them being a, in real estate. Also, she wanted to be a fitness model. Um, so she was inspiring to be one of those, you know, let's get physical, physical. No, okay. <laughs> but you know, those like sexy beasts that are on like the different machines and stuff looking all like beefy and well, that's what she wanted to do. So it almost sounds like he's got a type because Monica was into fitness too, but okay. <laughs> right. Um, she was also very into police work. Um, she wanted to be a cop, but ultimately she tried and she was turned down twice. So she stayed active through the neighborhood watch program instead. I'm so sorry, people. I don't know if you can hear this and I don't know if we disclaimed it in the beginning. I forgot. My husband is building my bedroom next door. Okay, not really <laughs> building it, but we painted and he's putting different things up. So you might hear some <laughs> drilling and pounding as I'm hearing the drill right now. It's very slight. It's not super loud. Okay, but every room in my house is 
freaking occupied. All I have is my office. So I'm trying, people. <laughs> You're doing great. <laughs> okay. So, um, not that I would do those in the channel. Okay. So, yeah, she wanted to uh, join the neighborhood watch program. So she was all involved in that. Now, it did seem like a couple that was on Dateline who was interviewed, Jason Stroller and his girlfriend, Miranda. Um, she did makeup for the models and Jason took the pictures. They met in 2006 after doing a photo shoot in her garage. They said that she was good to her kids. Her kids seemed happy, respectful. Even her kids' friends seemed to like her. She was definitely a very controlled mom. She had a set of twins that were 15, a girl and a boy. And then she had a younger son who was 10. They said that they took over a thousand photos of Barney in about a year's time, starting in 2006. So they got to kind of know her over time. Marnie was also seeing a few different people, but nothing she was really that excited about. Um, she came into this photo studio with a family friend, Jason. And she would tell him that, you know, Sean was the one she had her sight on. Like, she wanted to be with Sean. She loved Sean. Sean this, Sean that. It was her last photo shoot in 2007. And she had a Chicago Bears tank top and Chicago Bears short shorts. The logo was on the butt. And she was very explicit. And she was very detailed. She wanted these photos taken. And she wanted them taken so now police get a phone call, and this is where things start to get a little sinister on Marnie's end. Um, they describe the phone call in detail, saying that Marnie would constantly talk about how much she loves Sean and how they were together. It was her boyfriend, how she actually hacked into Sean's computer and got information and sent emails and letters to all these women and she made it to where Monica was taking the heat for it. And Monica didn't even do it. And she laughed saying the funny thing is she might even get deported because of all of it. Damn. Cold. Yeah. So poor Monica that we yeah. just slain. Um, right. <laughs> so after the information, the police did go to the alleyway where Marnie's garbage would be set. And they took it. They went through it. You don't need a warrant for that, apparently. And it was, as they were going through it, they found a bank statement and Marnie did a background check on all the other women he was seeing. And she also showed up on a vacation spot in a resort in Mexico at the same time Sean was there with Ronnie, but she just laughed it off and said she was there just to go scuba diving. <laughs> what are the odds? I just feel like if you're going to, like, be that insane about it, like, why are you, like, agreeing to date someone who wants to be in an open relationship? It's like, clearly, you just want to be in a monogamous relationship. So go find somebody who wants the same thing. Not only that, but you guys live in Illinois, and then all of a sudden, you just happen to show up in Mexico at the same time he's there with another chick. Like She's like, weird, weird timing. What a coincidence. I was just scuba diving. You know? <laughs> Oh, okay. I'm like here every weekend. What? Okay. Um, so Sean claims that he thought it was all about real estate and sex with Marnie. Like 
he never even knew she wanted more. Like she never suggested she wanted more. So I don't know if, cause I'm getting like a little bit of um, Glenn close vibes here. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe he thought it was all just like real estate and sex, but she was getting more and more attached and he was just, I don't know. He's got too many girlfriends, blind eye, you know, I don't know. He couldn't keep up. But the night before the murder, she did bring him dinner and was ready to hook up. After that, it didn't take long to scratch Monica off the list. And Monica was like more than happy to hear about that because she was like, dude, my life turned into a nightmare because of that. I was getting accused of being like a psycho. And she's like, the only thing I did was date the wrong guy at the wrong time. So Sean was also cleared after a couple of weeks. He went from suspect to unofficial secret agent to help find Ronnie's killer. So at this point, it looks like all eyes are kind of starting to point on Marnie at this point. After my eyes are. Please, police asked Sean, would he be willing to wear a wire? And he did. He agreed. He said he would invite her over for dinner and see what she had to say. Marnie did sound like she was more of a concerned, consoling friend. She asked, you know, are you okay? How are you doing? What did the police say? Do they have any leads? So kind of like trying to be the rock for him to lean on, but also like fishing. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the police also still moved forward on their research and... They searched her computer from work. They brought up Google Maps. And the Google Maps showed from Marnie's work to Ronnie's address, showing how to get there from her work to her house. And it also had a bunch of pictures and videos through Google, all of Ronnie. So Creepy. Yeah. At this point, it's where they decide, like, Maybe it's time we have a conversation with Marnie. What do you think? About time, I'd say. (laughs) So typical conversation. How do you know Sean? Where did you meet? And she said that, oh, shit. Bear with me, people. (laughs) Hello. Hello. The following is an important message from Oxford Community School. To hear this message now, press 1. To place this call on hold, press 10. Good evening. Oxford Community Schools will be closed tomorrow, Wednesday, January. Okay, give me one second so I can go tell Charlotte she can chill out now. (laughs) Congratulations, people. My daughters don't have school tomorrow. (laughs) You guys heard it first here. Man, I was so excited to tell the kids. I opened the door and the husband's like, we all know. I'm like, damn it. Uh, They they got the same uh, good, good news that you did. Well, at least you guys got to hear it with me. (laughs) I can sleep in a little bit. Right. Okay. Sorry about that, people. Snow day. Yay. Not for me. I still got to (laughs) work. Right. (laughs) So it was a typical conversation. Like, how do you know Sean? Where did you meet him? And she said she met him at a bar in Chicago at a convention for a charity event, which starting to sound like a theme because that's 
And then the other one. Yeah, what? That's where he picks up girls. I, maybe that's why he does all the charities. I don't know. That, yeah, that's the reason. <laughs> so they ended up sitting down, having a conversation about real estate. So that was kind of the icebreaker and had them having conversations, getting to know each other. Um, they did ask her, you know, more important questions like, where were you the night before the murder? And she was honest. She said she was at Sean's house having dinner with which was October 3rd. And she was there between 7.30 and 9.30. Marnie goes on to say that she was supposed to meet her friend Christy Passion for a real estate dinner, but she had to go home, check on her kids. And while that was going on, her car broke down. Some time goes by, but they end up bringing Marnie and her children and her friend Christy Passion. And they started asking them some questions and putting some of the puzzle pieces together. And some of them might start actually fitting. So... Before the questioning begins, they do search Marnie's place and they're hoping to find a weapon, but they did not. They found other weapons, um, but they were looking for a nine millimeter Beretta and these were not a match. They found pictures of Sean. They found some hotel momentums that she had, obviously, from nights that they were together. She found a letter that she'd wrote to Sean. She never mailed it, but it basically stating like she wasn't happy and how he would go on these vacations with all these other women to these nice places and then bring her back a $2 keychain, like WTF, like really that's supposed to make me feel special. Like what am I supposed to do with this? I'd be salty too. <laughs> I mean, yes, but if you know he's dating other women, you can't get mad. But at the same time, like, you don't need to bring me a keychain, dude. Just do your thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. And this is why you don't date people that are not available. That's the big lesson here. <laughs> if you're going to get mad about it, just don't don't be in that situation. So they also found mailing labels that were sent to all those other women from Marnie's place. So in all honesty, like, again, I get that. But you know the rules going in, people. If it's not exclusive, you can't complain. Like, just. Mm -hmm. So now here it is January. Three months have gone by. And now they have Marnie in an interrogation room. And the questionings will begin. Okay, so this woman. Three days of questioning, and police would say she was very talkative, um, almost to the point where she was starting to get cocky. Like, so when they found out that Marnie was pregnant, when Sean told her, she replied with, oh, so condoms don't apply with everybody then, huh? And laughed. And she said he did not like that remark. He actually got mad. <laughs> well... Ronnie put in 17 years. True. She, Would she you paid put her in like 17 days? Like, yeah. <laughs> and then it said they asked her about the nine millimeter gun, and she said she did have one, but it went missing. 
someone stole it and I didn't, no, I didn't report it missing because I don't have homeowner's insurance. Okay, homeowner's insurance or not, if I had a gun that's registered to me and it was stolen, you bet your ass I'm going to report it because I'm not being linked into anything. Yeah, like you would think. But that's common sense thinking. I don't know. Or she's just a liar, liar, pants on fire. I think it's sounding more like that one. They also found receipts to two books that they had bought on how to make a homemade silencer. And the answer to that was, wait for it, people. Oh, my kids had a science project for school and they had to learn how to make a silencer. Like, what kind of school are they going to? Okay, well, I don't think it was supposed to be a silencer for gun. It was, she worded it different, but I'm sorry, but no school is going to let you do any project on how to make a silencer of a gun. I don't like, care what a the year, I don't excuse. care the decade, I don't care the time. That was not going to hold in a school, like, ever. No, the fact she said that is just ridiculous yeah um so then she changed it she's went into saying well actually what it was the truth was okay here it is okay so the truth is my friend it's it was his birthday and i bought him tickets to a movie and a show and then i bought those books and it was just a gag gift those those are just a joke like, how is that funny? It's oh, my God. Joke. Jesus fixed this because <laughs> it's getting worse as she talks. Like, Oh, she's just talking herself into a hole. Um, then they asked her about the background checks on all the women. And she claimed it was because he was getting close to the kids. And he was a vigilant. She was a vigilant mother. And she was wary of the people around her kids. And she quotes, I'm sorry, but I make it my business that anybody who comes in contact with my children, I will check you out. I will check out everybody that is connected to you. And when I'm done, I will check out your mother and her two sisters too. Mm, serious. Yup. So yeah, I guess I messed up when I started hanging out with you. I didn't do a background check on Caitlin and her boyfriend and his two sisters. I mean, yeah. But- I didn't do that either. Maybe we got to get our <laughs> lives together, apparently. Oh, crap, right? If that's what you have to do. <laughs> I mean, we're seven years strong. So about that, right? Yeah. So Something I, I, like th- that. I think we're the seven-year itch, seven-year stretch. We're good, right? I mean, if something was going to happen. It would have happened. <laughs> at this point, I'm calling you. Like, will you just take her, please? <laughs> right. Okay, so police asked where she was at the time of the murder, and she answered at home. Um, indeed, her cell phone, see what I did there? Indeed. Her <laughs> cell phone did bounce off the towers um, near her home that morning. But they wanted to talk to witnesses that would maybe help bring her alibi to light. 
So that brings in her own children. And her first son, the older one, said that he was homesick from school and she stayed home with him all day. But then they talked to the daughter and she said that Marnie told her older son to lie for her and to cover for her. So then they bring, her daughter ratted her out. So they had to bring the son back in and he said, yes, I lied. I'm sorry. I'm done lying for her. She wasn't home. So that's uh, okay. We're getting somewhere. So the police then saw the news and seeing that his, he told, I'm sorry, he told the police that he saw the news and his friend saw the news and everybody was talking about it. And he's thinking like, damn, my own mother may be involved in this. And they said it felt very honest, like to go up against your own mother like that. Like that's, that's not easy. Yeah. Marnie is confronted with her own kids and she replied, she thinks this timing in his memory is just wrong, but oh God, no way. No, no, no way. Next investigators decide they're going to talk to Christy Passion. Now Christy is her long lost, not long lost, long time (laughs) bestie of 15 years. They met during a psychic reading. Christy did tarot readings for Marnie and they hit it off. And I'm thinking, like, did she not see this coming? <laughs> it's a pretty big event to miss. Like, she didn't be like, I'm sorry, but uh, I see some murder in your future. I don't want to be part of. Like, yeah, I can't be friends. <laughs> um, you didn't tell me you were a psycho. You didn't tell me I was going to commit murder. So that's on you. Like, I don't know where this all lies. <laughs> it got sticky. No. So she would tell the police that she didn't believe Marnie would do that. But the police had their doubts on Christy because Marnie had no proof. And yet definitely wasn't a confession either. So they're like, okay, don't go very far, Miss Passion. (laughs) So even with the book receipts, the letters, the kids' statements, it wasn't enough. They couldn't place her. And even if she confessed, because Christy had also said, or they found, I'm not sure, I'm sorry, I don't remember, but there was a mention of a bucket of cement, um, And I don't know why at this point, like, is that a backup plan? But she bought a bucket of cement. Random. Um, They went through the cameras and the footage and they sat there and they watched um, looking for Marnie's SUV and they found nothing. And so they go back, you know, to the station. They're talking, the investigators are talking to like detectives and, you know, they're all kind of just scratching their heads and they're like, what if she rented a car? Like her car broke Mm -hmm. down, you know, or even if that wasn't the case, if it really wasn't broke, but maybe not use her own car. Bingo bitches. Okay. (laughs) Ding, ding, mother effing ding. Okay. So Marnie had a rental that she picked up at Christie's house on October 3rd, 
the night before and dropped it off the day of the murder, which they found an enterprise receipt co-signing the evidence. Bam. Bingo is right. So it was a black Volkswagen rabbit. It had 40 miles on the trip. So the investigator was like, 40 miles, okay. So he drove to Enterprise. He drove to Christie's house. He drove to Ronnie's house and drove back to Enterprise. And it was exactly 40 miles. Oh, man. Gotcha, bitch. So let's go back to that gas station video one more time. Well, actually, 50 more times because he took him 50 tries, but then he finally got it. He saw a black Volkswagen rabbit um, there once before and then again after the murder for like a quick little refill of gas. Can't take Gosh. it back to Enterprise on empty. <laughs> right. Also finding a receipt for a cheap throwaway cell phone that she had bought a week before. Somebody get this girl a shredder because if you're going to be evil, you got to be smarter because, dude, they be finding all your receipts. Literally all of them. Uh, she'd only made a couple phone calls on it, but all they needed was that one that put her right next to Deerfield. But aggravating enough, but taking all the evidence, they still wanted more before they would arrest her. I get it. You get one shot, one opportunity. I'm kidding. Sorry. We're going to little Eminem. Down to Eminem, Beth. <laughs> and so they're like, okay, all contrary. Let's be diligent on it. Let's let's keep working. We got we gotta turn the heat up then. So they've been working on a wiretap, a plan. And they're about to use her bestie boo against her. So the idea is that Marnie left Sean's house, drove straight to Christie's with the rental. Then adding, they found out Christie's place of work. And then those records are recorded. Like all those, I'm sorry, all the conversations are recorded. Um, most companies depending on where you work probably do record a lot of conversations yeah, so they're like okay so. so let's see what christy's talking about throughout her work day on that day at 9 11 in the morning the day the murder took place marnie calls christy marnie hey you want to go to dinner christy okay that's fine marnie everything all right Christy, yeah, I'm fine. Click. So police were looking like, okay, that's kind of weird. Like first thing in the morning, like that early, you're just going to call and be like, hey, dinner tonight? Like, Right. So they're kind of side-eyeing that. And Christy's voice was kind of nervous. It wasn't just like, I mean, someone for 15 years, like if you call me, I'm going to be like, hey, what up? What's going on? You know, like. Right. Was, like that sounded very like weirdly formal. Like she was expecting the call maybe or mm -hmm. like why did she call me? Like, oh dear God, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So they bring Christy in and no deals were offered to her. Just the facts. Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. 
that hurt too. So they had already had Christy and she is singing like a yellow canary on a spring morning. <laughs> Which I mean, if my name is on some shit and I didn't do shit, I ain't going down for shit. Like stupidity, especially like murder and of a baby. Gross. No, uh-uh. Mm-mm. Don't don't tie my name to that. Exactly. And how do you become best friends with that? Like, yeah, no, you have to look at a person differently when they do something like that. Yeah, like Crystal, if you want to shoot one of your exes because they be doing something dumb, like, all right, she shot him in the leg, he's gonna survive, <laughs> like, or like she didn't mean to kill him, like she thought she had an extra inch, whatever. But I'm sorry, you're going after a pregnant woman and a baby. Like, I draw the yeah, line. Yeah, okay? that's like, where the line is drawn. That's where I have to be like, bitch, you crazy. Like, bye. <laughs> we got to part ways. <laughs> uh, if you wanted to be mad, why don't you go after Shaw? Not that she should have one of anybody, but like. Right, but still. Uh, always the bitches getting the blame. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, Marnie had nicknames for all Shaw and sean's girlfriends and marnie was miss macy's and apparently marnie called her miss macy because while working at macy's is very below marnie like she's a real estate agent okay like i don't do retail oh my gosh she's so superior yeah like well you don't get the macy's discounts she gets bitch okay exactly and this was in the 90s. And Macy's was booming then, okay? Macy's was popping off then. Right? I hear you knocking, but you can't come in. Okay. <laughs> now, the night before, Marnie asked Christy to do a tarot card reading. And she asked a bizarre question. On that kind of... It kind of threw Christy off, like... She said, would I be successful in getting away with killing Miss Macy? And Christy flipped over the card and it was a big sunshine, which indicating like, yes, success would be had. Like, okay. One. Like, do you really believe your whole life? These cards are 100% true. Like, there's no luck. Also, like. And two, who asks that kind of question? That's what I'm saying. Like, and why would she like flip it over? I'd be like, what the fuck? Why are you asking me that? I'd be like, we need to have a chit chat before I flip any cards right now. (laughs) Because this is like a little too intense. (laughs) So Christy now claims that she tried to talk her out of it, but um, she had her doubts that she was even going to do it because Marnie talked about killing her before and she never followed through. She thought she was just blowing smoke. Well, where there's smoke, there's fire. So there goes that term meaning true. Yeah. The night before she the night before she did tell Christy that if she follows through and is successful, she will call Christy in the morning with a code, which is going back to that work conversation that Christy and Marnie had, the one that the cops listened to that sounded kind of funky. And that code was, do you want to go to dinner? Oh, my gosh. Now, the evening of the murder, 
Marty does show up at Chrissy's house and she confesses everything to her, um, telling her that she shot Ronnie to death. After that, they hopped into Marnie's car. They started to get rid of some evidence. They drove past the dumpster where she tossed in a dark wig and was about to throw in a sweatsuit when Christy said, hold up, don't throw that away. How about you donate it to Goodwill? And first of all, like, do people do that? Like, the negativity and attachment to clothes that you're wearing, like, when you murder someone, and then, like, even a baby, and then that's just, like, bad juju all over that outfit, even if there's no blood on it. And then, like, second of all, like, so, like, I'm just out thrifting and I find some cool sweat outfit that I buy. And now I'm walking around on a nice day drinking Starbucks vibing and I'm in a murder outfit. Like what is happening? Is this true? We need to write this down and look into that. How often do people do that? That makes me like second guess, like shopping at places like that. Cause I'm like, man, what happened in this outfit? You know? Yeah. We have to fact check that. What juju was on this outfit? That's questioning my thrift store. So maybe more. It'll <laughs> never be the same now when I'm in there. It won't. So then Christy notices that she buried something small, metal, but wasn't sure what it was. She showed the police where it was buried. They get a metal detector and it was a bracelet. It had a red cross symbol on it and it said pregnant. Uh, Christy took the investigators to all the spots where all the evidence was. But even with those clothes, the bracelets, um, her best friend talking, like so much evidence is piling up. But the prosecutors are like, yeah, no, it's not enough. Bring me more. So basically they wanted a confession. And it's got to be irritating because so much damning evidence. And the prosecutors are like wanting more. And I'm just thinking like, do your freaking job. You're the prosecutor. Sell it. Like, make it true. Like, make it strong. Like, here's the evidence. Prosecute. <laughs> like, not everybody confesses. There's not a confession for every murder. Like, I'd say more often they don't than they do. So now they have Christy acting like a secret agent with the police. They got her to wear a wire and they send her to have a conversation with Marnie in hopes that she will say what they need to hear. So at the conversation at Denny's, they're talking and Christy gets her going and she says how she's got a nine millimeter Beretta and it was in a bucket of cement that she had dumped in a dumpster. Ding, ding, ding. There's the reason for the cement. <laughs> she goes on to say that she had a dark wig, oversized sunglasses, oversized hoodie, super dark makeup and gloves. And that was exactly what some witnesses say they had seen outside the condo the morning of the murder. But then she told Christy a little something something and something only the murderer would know. And that was coming up next week on HWC. Um, I wanted to keep going, but it is over an hour now close to and I don't want to keep you guys here that much longer because we want to keep you on the edge of your seats (laughs) and we also know you got your crime junkies and morbid and big Heather Ashley big mad true crime 
<laughs> Brain freeze. Sorry, Heather. Whew. Okay. So come back next week and we will talk about the deed and how it all unfolds and the update of what's going on with Marnie now and all that stuff. And yeah, if you think the craziness has stopped, um, we're just in the meat of it. The craziness never stops, man. Never stops. <laughs> but I thank you for your patience between my coughing, if you happen to hear any of it. Um, I have a great editing team, so hopefully you didn't. <laughs> Yay, KK. And then... I'm try my best. <laughs> the construction next door and the school closing phone calls and... All the things of my life. Hey, we're just here for the ride, Lo. We get it. And it was a great story. So it makes it it makes it worth it. And we're pumped for part two. Yes, and hopefully next week we'll be saying like, okay, we're going to do the Super Bowl. Right? Will we well, know for next week? Well, this is going to come out. Sunday. Yes. So the week after that, we'll be playing. We'll know because Super Bowl is until the 11th of February. So we'll know. Okay. I'm excited. See what happens. I know. So on that note, we got to go. Stay creepy, guys. Stay creepy until part two. Stay creepy. Keep it real. Bye. Bye. <laughs>